RCR with Paul Brennan, Reality Check Radio. Friday morning at RCR, it comes around quick, and I'm pleased it does because I really enjoy this part of the week. It's our political panel for the next hour or so. Olivia Pearson, welcome back, Olivia. Oh, thank you, Paul. Good to be here. Not wearing the pure blood shirt today, I was hoping. Not today. Needs a wash. Okay, fair enough. Marty Gibson. Hey, Marty, how are you? Paul, good, thanks. Good morning. Good in the panelled room. And Cam Slater, fresh from the crunch last night. Uh, Absolutely. Another uh, ripping uh, couple of yarns that I've got in there. Um, I think the, everyone will have enjoyed listening to Gilda Kirkpatrick, and she's certainly not the you know, ditzy socialite that people think she is from Twitter and things like that. So I, I really enjoyed interviewing her, and I, I can't wait till that hits the replays. All right. Let's uh, just a bit of a bit of housekeeping to start because I want to remind people, if you've uh, heard me just talking over the last few days, I've been uh, sort of alluding <coughs> to this election night party that we have coming up. So we're just under now by a day, a month away, a special webinar, election night, the 14th of October. Tickets will be available next week, folks. Free access to all RCR Foundation Club members, of course. We also know that many of our listeners will be catching up locally, and we always encourage in-person get-togethers. So if you can do that, that'd be great. Maybe we could even phone you up during it. And I wonder if the panelists have had the opportunity to test drive the beta, the beta, the beta, version of our new RCR app. Anyway, it's coming soon to iOS and Android, maybe even next week. Wow, hey? I've heard, I've, I've heard the 18th. And, oh, uh, oh, you know more than me. I've got it on my phone, and it is awesome. I, it's not bad, I, eh? Mm. Yeah, and it connects uh, seamlessly with Bluetooth in the in the car, and uh, it means you can divorce yourself completely now from uh, the mainstream media have Reality Check Radio wherever you go with the app. And so the old uh, car radio's finally bitten the dust in your car. It is. Uh, you know, I, to be fair, I only listen to um, music stations because uh, I just can't take uh, the wokeness that is existing now in talkback land. <clears throat> and it's all just, it's like eating um, gluten-free brown bread, right? <laughs> okay. You just know it's not going to taste good. Get ready for the app, and you heard the date. You said the 18th, had you heard? Uh, that's what I've yeah, heard, right. yeah. 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 Okay, well, well, that's next week, not far into next week. Okay, and before we get into chatting about things, just a quick roundup to remind everybody what's been happening this week. It's been a bit of a blur. Lots of things have been happening. Kerry Allen pleads not guilty of refusing to accompany police. There's that. The preview was released by Treasury. I had Rob McCulloch on the economist from Auckland University, um, and uh, he was talking about uh, the preview. He wasn't impressed. Also, I think, Marty, you and Marie delved into it on Media Matters. Also, uh, Labour MPs have made a series of outrageous claims, but our friends at the Disinformation Project have claimed, (laughs) I love this, it's different when politicians put out mis- and disinformation. It's okay then. Uh, It's okay then. It's all right. It's it's only the Labour Party. Labor promised record police expansion. National pledged to install ten thousand electric vehicle chargers by twenty thirty. Okay, let's so let's get into it. And I've got it here <clears throat> described as the doom spiral. The doom spiral. The polls. Who wants yeah. to kick off on the doom spiral? I will. I'll kick off on that. Uh, look, I've never seen anything like this in in all the years that I've been commentating on politics. 
we've had over 10 days, seven polls that all say the same thing. And that's that the the voting public of New Zealand has finally had enough <clears throat> of this Labour government and anybody associated with them. And there's no rogue polls in this. They're all lining up that Labour is in the mid to high 20s, not in the 30s. And there's not enough on the traditional left-right uh, spectrum of Labour, Green and Maori Party to get them across the line. And even the Green Party now are taking some hits, particularly with their crazy, you know, uh, supporters that are out there, you know, th that are vandalising and holding up people in Wellington and doing all sorts of people are over that sort of nonsense. So I think that's going to negatively affect the Greens. And uh, David Seymour must be feeling a little bit nervous with his rhetoric against Winston Peters because every single one of those polls shows that Winston is over the 5% threshold. And uh, in some of the polls, it shows that National and Act haven't quite got enough and they are going to need to deal with uh, to deal with Winston Peters. So, yeah. Is that why David wants to do a confidence and supply agreement as a coalition partner? Well, that was really interesting, though, because he said it's a confidence, uh, a confidence agreement and then uh, vote supply on a case-by-case -case basis. But you can't have a confidence and separate out supply. When there's a vote of confidence in the House, and in fact, a budget is one of those votes of confidence. If you can't pass a budget, then you don't have the confidence of the House, and therefore uh, you go to the Governor-General. Uh, the Governor-General then decides whether or not the other side has got enough to form a government. If not, then you have a new election. So if you refuse supply, you're actually bringing down the government, which is what David Seymour is actually saying. He's saying, I'll give them confidence, but I won't give them supply. Well, supply is confidence. So you you really can't do that. And it shows just how petulant and childish he is when dealing with these sorts of things. And I think it's starting to bite him now. Mm. Christopher Hipkins in the news yesterday, I saw anyway, he seemed to, he seemed to still have a kind of level of confidence like we can we might be able to do something you know to restore our poll rating uh, like you know living in hope what hope. does, what does he know that we don't well all they've got now is negativity so all we're going to see from them is re re relentless negativity you know they've they've drummed up a couple of uh, left-wing economists to say that national's got a hole in their budget and you know what? All all the voters are hearing now is a whinging ginger uh, who's flapping his gums, and they're sick of it, right? Like literally, Labour are at the point where everyone's going, "Oh, just shut up!" Just like if they were a naughty schoolboy, you'd send them to their room, and and that's where it's at. They literally can't say anything anymore. No one's going to believe them. They haven't delivered on any of their headline uh, policies from 2017 and 2020, and now they're promising even bigger ones. They couldn't build a house in a room full of Lego. Why do we think that they'll be able to train 355 doctors in six years? You know, these are, are, are rubbish policies that they have no hope of ever delivering on, and yet they're just they're just filling the 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 airwaves with noise that no one wants to hear. I and think we know way, that no one wants to hear them because the poll numbers are showing us that. Yeah, the, the way uh, I think we summed it up on Media Matters was there's, there's too many turds and they're all out of glitter. 
<laughs> it's a it's a mountain of turds, right? And mm. and they're everywhere, all over the field. You're not going to be able to walk through that field without stepping in one of them. He's got a very awkward smile, you know, like it's, it needs some sort of like coaching on how to smile. Well, I think he's just been earnest for so long that he's forgotten how to smile, and now he has to smile because that's the job that you it's, it's like fake, you know, fake yeah. sort of smile. I'm well, sure he is smiling, but it well. just... Behind him, there's a, a, a ravenous horde of unionists, radicals, feminists, just waiting to tear him to bits if he messes up, and then in front of him, he's... He's got the New Zealand public who, who uh, you know, are saying, you know, everywhere I see broken eggs, comrade, where is the omelette? All right. Um, anything more to say about those polls? Well, the only thing I would add to that is that when you get seven polls in 10 days like that, it is demoralizing if you're on the receiving end of negative news. So yep. Labor's going to find that at the next... Uh, sign waving that they have, there's a few less people there. They're going to find that when it comes to organising the volunteers to go and pick up old grannies from the rest home to get them to vote, that they've, instead of having 10 people with cars doing that, they've now got two. It becomes um, debilitating. It also becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy because voters are looking to see who the winners are. People like to back winners. They don't like to back losers. The only people who will be supporting Labor now are those who, uh, you know, are unthinking and have been, you know, brainwashed through their entire life by their parents and grandparents that voting Labor is the only way. And that's all that they're going to left. And we're about to find out how uh, how solid or what the actual core is of Labor. You know, we found out what the core of of national voters is back in twenty in two thousand and two, we know it's twenty point nine four percent because that's what Bill English got, and they've never been lower than that. And the last time uh, the Labor Party had a low score was the twenty fourteen election with David Cunliffe, and that's the number you want to look at. If it goes lower than that, then we've found out what the core is of the Labor. What Party. was it then? Mm. What what did what did they get under Cunliffe? Was it twenty four or something? Or was it twenty eight? Uh, one moment, caller. 27, no, not 27, 25.13% is, wow. is uh, Cunliffe's record. And I suspect we're going to see a lower number than that. That's my that's my gut feel now because, like, One News had their poll uh, on Wednesday night and uh, they said they're going to have a poll every week now until the election. So we're going to get three more polls from them or four more polls from them. And if each week it's just going to keep those hammers are just going to keep coming in. Isn't that interesting considering how lackluster Christopher Luxon is? Well, National's not going up hugely. That's the thing. I think what you're going to see, and our, our, our listeners are going to go, oh, God, here goes Cam again on oh, New Zealand. I'm just calling it how I see it, right? Go, Cam. Go. So I think you're going to see, especially after Winston Peters came out and said that, uh, Maori aren't indigenous. He will have got a, a, a couple of percent from that easily. Um, yeah. you're, you're seeing um, now with the heat of the election campaign coming on to David Seymour as candidates and some of his policies that he's starting to you know pale a bit in front of that. Haven't they come off two percent? Yeah, that's right. So, that, so that's it, not peaking poll, at the right though. time. That's not peaking at the right time. That's that's bad timing, isn't it? 
And then you look at um, the earned. What you do is you look at the earned, uh, the earned media that you get. So you can pay for media. You know, you can put your little memes out on social media, like like Winston's horse video, and you know his uh, if uh, video where he, Winston he, the Southern Man. Oh, yeah, that, when, that if video was crap. <laughs> it was Did crap, say, Marty. It was crap, that, but that it if worked. Video Marty. Was, was inspired. Yeah. And uh, but the thing is, right, is that on Wednesday night, TV and Z ran their um, released their poll. And when you watch the coverage of it, it was all about Winston Peters, and they even used that little clip, the horse clip, wow. in okay. in the video. He would have been cackling. I just could imagine him sitting there with a scotch and a cigarette, watching the news and cackling away that. All of his cheesy little ads are getting run by the mainstream media for free. <laughs> for free, you know, yeah. For yeah. free, you know. And and you can't buy that sort of coverage. See, now everybody is going to be looking at that and going, well, okay, um, it looks like he's going to get there, so it's safe to put my vote there. And you watch. You watch it. His numbers are going to go up. There have been uh, people talking about, about how the uh, the National Greens coalition's a possibility, and um, well, what was funny about that, Marty, is that the very next day, or, uh, or it might have been in the afternoon, Matthew Hooten's column uh, was was released that mentioned exactly the same thing. Was he uh, listening? Well, I don't think he listens. Uh, I certainly know that he doesn't talk to me, and I and and I haven't called him, so he's come to the same sort of conclusion that I've come and. You know, although Matthew Hooden has had a couple of you know mistakes and like backing Todd Muller for a start, um, he's usually a pretty astute judge of what's happening in the electorate out there. Yeah. And so I wouldn't discount it, but I mean, can you honestly put your hand on your heart and say that uh, you can't envisage Christopher Luxon ever doing a deal with the Green well, Party? Well, you know, well, no, well, not 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 considering he's so behind the net zero, the carbon well, exactly. zero. Yeah, he used the word fixated. Um, yeah. I, I noticed on I think it was Q and A, and and that's uh, such an interesting word to use, isn't it? We're fixated. Yeah, on, rather than we're focused. Yeah, we're going to do what's best for New Zealand. We're looking at all the facts, and we're going to make the best decision possible. It's, mm, that's a Freudian slip. No, no serious person who understands uh, electrical engineering and, and an electrical grid. Uh, thinks it's a good idea that you, it's possible, but the cost of doing it, uh, the opportunity cost, just mounts up so fast. Wouldn't um, um, wouldn't National Party supporters though be a bit grumpy about any type of the Greens? I can't wait to see it. Wouldn't they? I mean, say, hey, we didn't sign up for this, by the I way. Mean, it would give them a new enemy. Like like the National Party people hate Winston Peters with a passion that drives a fire that's <laughs> hotter than hell. In them, right? But if that if Christopher Luxon betrayed them and went with the Greens, doesn't matter how much he tries to sell it, he'll have his throat cut. But he, he might have to go with Winston. How are they going to cope with that? Well, that'll be easy because they've got David Seymour painted into his corner, right? He can't <laughs> do anything. Who's he going to support? The Labour Party, the Greens, Maori? Doubt it. He can only support a centre right government. And because of his attitude on supply and confidence, you really can't trust him to be in a coalition anymore. 
So the one thing, you know, everyone can criticize Winston Peters all, all they like, but when he's bought, he stays bought. And if Christopher Luxon does a deal with him, then he'll be in the House slaughtering the Labour Party on the other side, who he worked with, like he'd never been in government with them, because that's what he does. And then they can know that on confidence and supply, the ACT Party is going to fall into line. So they can marginalise David Seymour, and he's too stupid to understand that. Okay, real quick on the Northland poll, then we'll get into River of Freedom. Well, the Northland poll was the Taxpayers' Union poll for their debate on Tuesday night. And, um, you know, Matt King's been running around public meetings uh, saying that he commissioned a poll after the RCR poll uh, showed that he was in fourth place and that he was doing much better. And it was a close-run thing, and people needed to vote for him to ensure that all the votes for Democracy New Zealand counted. And whilst that sentiment is true at the superficial level, it was never true in reality. You know, we used a reputable polling company. Uh, uh, Matt King got his own poll, but strangely, he's never shown anybody the results. And when he stood, stands up in the public <laughs> meetings and people say, well, who did the polling? What were the results? How different was it? He says, I'm not in a position to say right now. Well, he, yeah. he is in a position to say. It's in his inbox. He's got the report. I know what it says. And he's misleading people. And on Tuesday night, the uh, Taxpayers Union delivered a poll, and it showed that he's no longer coming fourth in that race. He's now coming fifth. And that poll was done by Curia, a reputable polling company. David Farrer is one of the few people in polling that I trust uh, implicitly. He's a straight, uh, a straight shooter when it comes to these, and he doesn't manipulate polls. But Matt King said in, in that debate, oh, well, you know, I don't believe these numbers. Well, the funny thing is, is the polling company that he commissioned to do the poll for himself is the very same polling company hmm. that did the two polls Must that say tough. he's coming fourth and fifth. Must so, be you tough know? for him being in that situation. You know, it's yeah. kind of feel it ebbing away, you know. Yeah. I mean, I think people in the freedom movement need to understand that there's no political solution for us this year that we may have hoped for since the protest um, out of the two long-standing minor parties act is probably the most egregiously compromised. Um, it's obvious that there's, it's looking more and more obvious that we're going to get a national uh, who form a coalition with act and New Zealand first, notwithstanding the greens if Luxon does decide to betray everybody um, act as bleeding candidates and Seymour can't abide Um those candidates because they've held unacceptable views over the mandates and the COVID vaccines. Um, Seymour went full woke totalitarian um, along with being a pro-China trade globalist. Um, and if I were pushed, I'd guess his bank account may have swelled with his Pfizer-loving hatred of anti-vaxxers throughout the creepiest medical experiment we've ever seen. So, I mean, enough said about that worm. He's unspeakable, and the sooner Act ditches him, the better. Um, Winston Peters is another matter to me. I think that he's the only traditional nationalist populist on the New Zealand landscape, and he can only be that because the people who form the party behind him are patriots first and foremost, which means that they are the future of something beyond Winston himself. Um, and I like that. People like Shane Jones, Casey Costello, I mean, Casey is exceptional from Hobson's Pledge, 
and Kirsten Murphitt, also um, exceptional, exceptional of New Zealand Lawyers SOS, and Dr. Michelle Warren of New Zealand Doctors SOS. So the candidates that are going into um, New Zealand first um, are strong that, you know, I'm looking for something that's beyond just Winston Peters if I were to mm. vote New Zealand first. Um, or else it's just cult of personality stuff all the time, you know, and that's um, quite wobbly. Um, I watched River of Freedom this week, the movie, and I've seen all the docos many times, you know, the ones that have been made, such as We Came Here for Freedom, and all of them have been exceptional. Um, River of Freedom documented the Freedom Convoy in protest so beautifully from its raw source of righteous indignation right through to its end where it was laid waste. Um, which, of course, as we know, could have been avoided if just one or two parliamentarians had, you know, have granted human status to the team. Actually, I wonder if that would have been enough. Sorry to jump in. But, okay, someone comes out of the door and says hello. That's not That's not enough. Well, it could have started a negotiation process. Well, maybe it could have started. He, even, you know, even remember the court cases going through while we were down there, like the police hmm. um, that were won um, against the mandates, Th- those sorts of things would have would have been an excellent uh, conversation starter. Something would have had to have come out of it. They they well, didn't want yeah. conversation, Olivia. It, 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 of course not. It's, it's tempting to say, oh, they made a mistake doing that. They couldn't let Kiwis self-organise in a way that worked really well and had everyone in harmony, had no racial division without the government growing like a cancer between us. And uh, once that uh, genie was out of the bottle, it would have uh, just kept on growing and it would have been real bad for their handlers. So that's why they sent in the evening all and put the boot in squad. A lot of of politics is about perception, right? And... Although the government couldn't would never have caved into the, the the list of demands, you know that were supposedly put out there. What they could have done is created a perception that they were listening, right? And that would have been easy to do. They could have gone and erected one of those little tents uh, up on the forecourt um, with some, with a table and some chairs, and then invited you know, the leaders of the protest to come up and now could have had Jacinda Ardern and the speaker or, you know, a couple of representatives to sit there and spend a few hours, you know, talking with some jugs of water or whatever and given the perception that they were listening to what the protesters wanted. But they didn't take that option. They yeah, but went, nothing they went, would have come out of that because they no, wouldn't, no. They'd, they'd just, it'd be a, be a fake. It'd just no, be a fake. I because know those that, on the I know ground, that, would... Paul, I know that it would have been a fake, but it would have delayed the inevitable. And the other thing is, is that there would have been maybe half the people there would have said, "Oh well, at least we're talking that school. Go I'll, I'll go home." And that's what they should have done. As we all know what they did do. Yeah, right? they they brought brutality to the to the to the uh, forecourt of Parliament, and they clubbed everybody into submission. And that has scarred the nation, and it has scarred the nation far deeper than any of those politicians realise. And that's oh, the yeah. reason why Christopher Luxon's not going up in the polls, because he was part of that. Huge well, that shows you the power of it then, doesn't it? Well, well Winston right. Peters was there, and he walked amongst us for half a day. 
um, opportunistic old fox that he is, but he was out of parliament by then. But I have to ask myself, would Winston have done that if he was still Ardern's deputy PM and minister or minister of foreign affairs? Would he have done that? Well, I'd like to think he would have. Um, yeah, I'd like to think he would have. I, I'm, I wasn't, uh, I wasn't that cynical about him doing that. I think uh, you don't need that deeper look at it to realise that something bad was going on and that there would be a constituency in it. Um, I went and saw it on Monday, and yeah, it, it just blew me away. I, uh, I was very moved by it, and and I really, it really brought home to me what a pivotal moment. In New Zealand's history, it was, and I think and you're right. It yep. astonished me how much uh, anger I still had, mm. and I've just been sort of just pushing it down. The Vaxathon is the scene that got me. Oh, I was hurling the most cheesy thing the... I've ever seen. Oh, ghastly! People were standing up and spitting virtually at the screen. With the yeah. screen, yeah, you know, the screening I went to it was just all those incredible emotion. Yeah, no, it's a very emotional thing. And I mean, when when I came back from the protest, I remember thinking the next day I was really tired and I wanted to sleep, but I thought, no, I've got to write about this while it's fresh in my mind. And I wrote a piece. um, I wrote a couple, actually. But one of the phrases that I kept using was this was Anzac-level bonding Mm, amongst us all and it was clear that it was going to be a cultural huge cultural phenomenon that this country would never forget um anyway i mean it also has now made many of us freedom voters focused on the minor parties but looking at matt king and democracy new zealand they don't have a hope of reaching the five percent threshold neither does freedoms new zealand and tamaki's megachurch cultural style and tainted brand are just not going to cut it um, Leighton Baker is a fine, intelligent man, um, but he's not going to meet the same threshold. But over the long term, may earn a seat in Elam, and I hope he does. Liz Gunn's loyal party, admirable for its community organisation, and Liz is a fine woman, but politics is a beast that requires stickability and raw commitment to the unpleasantries of reality. Her interview with Rodney Hyde, and Steve Oliver, which just happened a few days ago on RCR. Um, I see people truly with their hearts in the right place. It's an excellent community organization that may form into a serious political party over time. Um, everything in the new minor, new minor parties looks like ambulance at the bottom of the cliff to me. I can't shake that um, perception. Um, and if any of these hopefuls want to help their country elect a nationalist instead of a globalist, if they want to see a party in power who fights against foreign investment and the artificial boost that people selling out their country for short-term gains gives them, um, then if they are serious and not just egos on a rampage or rare and delicate flowers that won't withstand the brutal fight that politics actually is, they have to be prepared to fold up their tents before the election and endorse the only small party that will break into parliament, which is looking like it's probably going to be New Zealand first. Um, What bothers me at this stage is that they won't do that. I don't think they will. And here is the point. They'll say that they failed because all of the freedom people failed to follow through with their integrity and take a risk on being loyal to them in the five minutes that they've been a minor party. 
um, New Zealand Loyals candidate for Northland, Michael Fayen, spoke, um, spoke the other day about how there hasn't been this kind of impetus for minor parties before in this country and a different way of doing politics. Um, and he's totally right about that. I think Liz, and that's why I think Liz has the power to create something extraordinary over the long term. But the newly sprung minor parties have to face the practical hurdle of dogged stickability and be well-funded with financial backing that is serious enough to pay full-time wages to its leader and co-leader. Um, if they're competent and sound, they'll attract the donors who are seriously behind them, especially if they have their eye on being in the running by 2030, which is not that far away. It's only seven years. Mm. Yeah, they never, they never want to hear those build up and i've said this to some of the people who are now involved with new zealand loyal you know get a podcast get a get a uh, a list of subscribers and a, and a, a database get and get tell people how they can stand on a plat platform to get into all these various local committees the school boards and and councils and uh, just get people seeing you and trusting you and and then you know two election well, cycles you you'll be uh, well, in, in well, that's the, that's what we were talking about last week. I think it was, wasn't it, Cam? Mm, yeah, um, infiltrate the big parties. Yeah. Well, so 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 someone, you know, at the risk of repeating myself, and I'm sorry to people who are listening if I am, but just quickly, I'll say, people like me have voted minor parties for a long time, and I'm really jaded about it because they don't display stickability in a way that I'm sorry you need. And if you're serious about it now, um, then you should be having this 10 to 20 year view. Um, but I'm not hearing that kind of speech. I'm hearing they're always saying this is the most important election. If we get this one wrong, we're over. Um, that, that kind of rhetoric is in play all the time. And yes, this is an extremely important election, but I can tell you in seven years time, that election will, you know, we'll, we'll be dealing with digital IDs, central um, CBDCs, um, you know, really horrible stuff. Keep your powder and, dry. <laughs> and God knows about the globalism that, you know, someone like Luxon will, will be totally committed to, like with the Paris Accords and all that sort of stuff. These parties should be forming for the long term to fight that kind of big stuff later. Or get out of town. It's it's look, politics is a very, very hard game. And there's a lot of well intentioned people, but good intentions don't get you there. They just don't. No. Right? They, they they just don't. Hard work and resilience gets there. And mm -hmm. it is it is a 30, 40, 50 year project. And I just can't see any of the current minor party leaders or even their supporters having the stickability of 30, 40, 50 years to create no. institutional memory, to create an organization that will uh, last for that long. And, and, you know, Olivia, you would have dabbled in the past with the Libertarians you know, party. Yeah. Right. And, yeah. you know, literally they could hold their meetings in a phone box when we still had phone boxes. Right. So, but they were just committed purists about libertarianism, and they never achieved anything. They never actually did anything. Life of Brian. Well, once Lindsay 
handed, Lindsay got the high, when he was the leader of that party, he got the highest vote percentage. But when he passed it over to Peter Cresswell and, um, and the others that were involved in that, they failed to even register the party for the election. Mm. Okay. Mm. You know, real, real schoolboy mistakes. I mean, politics is about a battle of ideas. But, but if, you, if you don't even have a megaphone, then no one's going to hear your ideas. And, you know, you'll hear complaints about, well, the mainstream media's cut us out. Well, why is that a surprise? They've been cutting you out for years. They cut you out when you went to Parliament to protest. So why do you expect them to give you a fair go now? There's no fair goes in real life. There's what you can take. Well, for yourself, I, I, what you can I, earn for yourself. I've noticed that Leighton Baker has a slightly different view than the other minor party leaders in that he's committing to one seat that he lives near um, yeah, and is building a, it's a building a grassroots campaign around one particular seat that may eventually over the long term getting into parliament. And I actually think that's quite smart. He's not asking for a party vote. Yeah, I mean, I've said I've said this before. It's an area where I think uh, Liz Gunn's on the right track is is looking at a, a Canton kind of system. Oh, Cam, you oh. don't like this because of uh, a five minute conversation with the average voter and all that. But I think that isn't a way you could get cut through if you went and found the, the people who actually do have the push in an area and you put your hand on the problems and you said, oh, well, let's go to Wellington with a plan for our region rather than just using the cookie cutter version of everyone else's plan that's, you know, managed on strings by bureaucrats. The, the reason why I don't think that it ever work, and it sounds wonderful, right? Because the Swiss use it and they're wonderful. Everyone loves Swiss chocolate and Rolex watches, right? But the reality is, is that the cantons, they need to understand history. The canton system that they have in Switzerland came about because there were each individual tribes that united under the, the confederation of Helvetii, right? Yeah. So they've got centuries of operating autonomously anyway. And now we get people who go get all hokey and, and you know, um, sucking down the hopium as well. And they go, oh, I think we need to have a Canton system. It will never work. Yeah, but well, it's okay to look around for alternatives, system. though, isn't it? You can look is around for alternatives. There's a tribal system already here. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, but, you know, but, but the largest tribe, Ngāti Pākehā, is not represented, right? So it's not going to work. And then well, you've got... Well, mixed up. You know, well, it, I mean, just, it just won't. I mean, councils don't work, and that's a count-on system. Well, that's but, a fool's errand. I, don't think, I think it's designed to not work. Yeah, but it'll I, never I, work. And, and it just won't. People think that everyone's going to get on. You got to just won't. yell over him, Marty. You've just got to yell over him. <laughs> I just want to get your opinion on this before we shift on. Those smaller parties you're talking about, Olivia, just before, mm. with probably cumulatively a reasonable number of people supporting them. If they did that flip moment when they realized the writing was on the wall for who they're supporting, we're coming up to, we're only a few weeks away. Is it possible that the majority of those voters will flip to the the option that you gave, the only likely small party. And if that's the case, those numbers coming in there, that would be a fair couple. I don't think they would do it. it. I don't think they would do it. But if they did do it, um, they would actually help themselves and help the country. But 
you know, it's it, people want their guy in there or their gal in there. And then if that's not going to be likely, they, they're like, oh, well, stuff everybody else. But really, I mean, yeah. our biggest problem is globalism. That's that that to me is the evil really breathing down our necks. I mean, the Dead whole right. yeah, yeah, the I whole agree. Pfizer yep. um, uh, crisis that we the pandemic and all that sort of stuff, all of that was a global problem. That well, we uh, found out from the South African court that um, authorized the release of the contract. Yeah, probably like the one that we got. Yeah, they described it as an aspirational. Yes, aspirational. Aspirational treatment. Yeah, in other words, experimental. Aspirational, like talk about hopium, Cam. We hope it. We, we hope, hope it works. I yes. mean, can you believe that? No. So make well, safe yes. and effective well, yeah. just sound like a deliberate lie. Well, it's yeah, it was a total lie. Right. Yeah. They, well, they, they had no that. evidence. They had no evidence that well, it was been twenty mice. I think. Well, but there's no efficacy to support that it was going to break transmission. And in fact, you know, you've got these absolute drop kicks that are out there now saying, oh, we've got this crisis in our health system. We've got all these people tipping up at the emergency department. Oh, it must be long COVID. Get a grip. Or genetics. Yeah. Yeah. How about no? Like you've gone and injected a substance into millions of people's arms and you're not looking at that as a possibility that uh, that that that's what's causing things, you know? It's yeah. it's in, it's insane. You get people like a good friend of mine whose father died in February, clean bill of health six months before, and then rampant aggressive lung cancer carrying him off in like in six to eight mm. weeks. Right, yeah. oh, and she awful. said to me, "You were so right, Cam. There's no way that could have happened any other way other than the vaccines." Time to hear from some whistleblowers, I think. Well, I yeah. think yeah. Hopefully, they'll start to come out. I mean, in I, the medical I, profession, I yeah, you guys and the ambulance. A friend of mine, uh, uh, forty years old, dropped dead of a heart attack uh, yesterday. I was um, talking to a doctor who was talking to a nurse who's working up in the cardiac unit here, and said. You know, what What are you seeing? And she said, oh, there's a lot of young people getting heart attacks. And uh, my friend who's pretty switched on said, why do you think that is? And she said, oh, I guess it's just genetics. Genetics. <laughs> uh, yeah. so, yeah. Actually, they're right. It is well, genetics. They've had, their DNA. DNA. They've had their DNA altered. Yeah, well, old David Seymour saying, um, well, you know, looking like a bad ventriloquist barely moving his lips. Well, you know, I mean, it's, it's made by Pfizer, so, you know, they're the same people who make Viagra, so it should be pretty good. Yeah. And it's, it's yeah. making people stiff, all right. Right. <laughs> got, got the school, Miss Goofy. <laughs> oh, oh right. Marty, but that's at least a good it one. was aspirational. You know, they were aspiring to aspirational in nature. Yeah, in nature. That's the funny thing. I said that to my old man, and he said, oh, I said, what are you get taking these vaccines for? And he says, oh, well, you know, it's made by Pfizer. I said, oh, yeah, because it's like the same as your little blue pill, eh? Who's <laughs> <laughs> taking these blue pills? Okay, so should we move offshore now? And I've been following this with interest too because uh, I know Kevin McCarthy, Olivia, Kevin McCarthy has basically come out and said they are proceeding with an inquiry into impeachment. Is that how that works? Yes, it's the it's the impeachment inquiry. Where inquiry. They, That's how they say it. Inquiry. inquiry. Um, 
yeah, it's going ahead and uh, Kevin McCarthy announced via the House committee headed by jo- James Comer and Jim Jordan. Sorry, I'll say that it better. Kevin McCarthy has announced one via the House committee headed by James Comer and Jim Jordan. So they didn't wait for a House vote after all. We said last week because he said last week that he would, but he's not. And I guess that means that they have enough evidence already that a vote Mm. is unnecessary. Besides, Nancy Pelosi set that new president, remember, for launching impeachments, um, bypassing the, the actual vote to have an inquiry. And um, so they're just getting this back now. Um, And I noticed that Chuck Schumer, who talk about the whiny, whiny voiced Schumer, he's calling it a witch hunt, which is (laughs) hilarious. Um, No, Mr. Schumer, a witch hunt is what your people did to Trump (laughs) throughout his entire presidency, you know, six ways till Sunday to get back at you. Um, Back in 20... Yeah, back in 2020, during the last presidential debate with uh, Trump, Biden said, my son has not made any money in terms of this thing about about this thing. What are you talking about? China. The only guy who made money from China is this guy, Trump. And he pointed to him. He's the only one. Nobody else has made money from China. Well, um, that flies directly in the face of what has already been discovered uh, without there yet even being an inquiry payments to family members, uh, McCarthy referenced the bank records that Republican committee leaders claim show Hunter Biden and his business partners received $20 million in payments from various foreign, various foreign entities. And um, James Comer, he's the oversight chairman, identified nine Biden family members known to have benefited. So that's Hunter, first brother James Biden, his wife Sarah, first daughter-in-law Haley Biden, the widow of Joe Biden's son, Beau, Hunter's ex-wife, Kathleen Who Bernard. shacked up, right, with with Hunter? Yep. Didn't she? His, his current wife, Melissa Cohen, and three children of the president's son and the president's brother. I mean, really, this is just going to be a, a shit show, excuse my French, but, um, you know, whatever they know now and what they've got, they've got the bank records and people are out there saying- The receipts, the receipts. The people defending the Bidens are saying things like Joe's cooperated totally, releasing all his tax returns for 25 years. What more do you want? Well, they fail to mention that Biden has not released information that would show the source of more than $13 million in income in 2017 and 2018. So that's one year. Yeah. And that that he and his first, uh, his wife, Jill Biden, routed through tax dodge entities known as shell corporations. Um, it's it's going to be a bit tough it's, for some of the Biden acolytes, isn't it, to cope with this? Because he's, go, so. he's going down, right? He's going down. Oh, no, yeah. this, he's not going to go down. And I'll tell you why. Because the Senate is controlled by the Democrats. And so they're never going to get a – they'll get an indictment. Uh, they'll get a trial. They'll get they- a trial, and then they'll have to hand it to the Senate and the Senate will vote it down and he won't be impeached. Yeah, so, probably. So, but what it does do, though, and this is the winning strategy for, for the GOP, is it's literally death by a thousand cuts over months and months and months and months as they drip feed this information. Well, he's losing it. In an cut. election year. In he, an election year. He, did you yeah. see him in Vietnam? Oh. He, he didn't know what the hell he was talking yeah. about. He yeah. started, and, and he sort of stopped. And then he said, um, "And I'm going to bed." 
You yeah. know, like that's yeah. what you say when you can't think of anything else to say. And they turned his mic off. He's like cut his mic. It's I mean, the thing. Hello. He's like he's like the Dennis Denuto of U.S. politics. You know, it's the vibe of the thing. But, but again, yeah, it's not. It's not that he's there and he's that senile and that corrupt. It's almost a way of mocking people, putting him in charge. A bit yeah. like you know they put. Hey, we can put a a, a guy who's gay and smokes crack and there's a yeah. Person they're thumbing their nose. They're, they're yeah. thumbing their nose it's at everybody. Just, yeah. Pantomime, pantomime level, um, wickedness. Where yes, it is can, wicked. Because yeah. everyone can see it, and they're not just like the emperor's new clothes, and no yeah. one's saying in your face the president's yeah. naked. He's worse than naked. Um, but I mean, you know, if Trump were guilty of even one of these counts of corrupt dealings, you know, feeding money to his sons or daughters or whatever in a foreign country, you know, they would have aggressively smacked him to kingdom come in an orange jumpsuit by now. Um, and that the Biden is so protected, but I think that's what that came as you were saying. The strategy is to have the the, the trial, the, the inquiry, and the trial because that's enough. Already, I think um, I read a stat the other day which said forty six percent of Americans believe that the Biden family is corrupt. That was Democrats and Republicans. Forty six percent. That's Just without 46%. even an inquiry. Did you see Putin say? Oh, I think it is good that it is happening. Yeah. You know, we see how wrong they are. can see how corrupt the, the American political system is and how there are no position to be lecturing anyone on anybody how to teaching democracy. No. I said, Yeah, and I, I keep so. you know, I've got to keep saying it. There's half a million dead people, yeah, uh, and who didn't need to die. How much it's linked to the fact that uh, they were tied up with Burismo and. His, his son was involved in getting millions of dollars for being a crackhead who had, had access to the vice president. Well, Boris Johnson didn't turn up and scupper that deal on his own, right? He, no. He, no, he, no. That He had the whole of the EU, Schultz, um, Macron behind him for that. Yeah, but also right at behind everything is Biden and that The Americans. Yeah, yeah of course. I, I don't think there's like I, I've heard in different different sources that um, the White House is not uh, in on the same page as the Pentagon. You know, going right back to the whole the way that Afghanistan fell so badly. You know, there, there's war. There's a war mentality between the White House and the Pentagon. They're not on the same page. I mean, not every general is like Mark Milley. You know. Well, I think Biden got behind Trump after the Afghanistan withdrawal was botched. Uh, that was when when they crossed paths. I, I I think I seem to remember seeing Biden got behind Trump. Yeah, I think I think Trump became a more popular. Uh, oh, after that. Yeah. Well, I mean, under Trump doctrine, uh, which is principled realism. You know, you've got to stare at the problem set and look at things as they are, not as you wish they were to be. Um, it was an excellent uh, doctrine, especially compared to Obama's, which was strategic patience, which meant doing nothing or, you know, leading from behind. Drone strikes. Trump, Trump and Pompeo were always prepared to lead from the front, as men ought to do. Um, but, you know... Pompeo and Trump were withdrawing troops from Afghanistan. They're tidying it up. But knowing full well, they had to talk to their allies, you know, like 
France and Germany in the UK. Biden just bypassed all that. They just went in there and acted. It was, Remember, we know uh, it wasn't Biden, though. It was the generals. Son of a bitch was fired, you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, and oh, the Nord Stream pipeline. You know, that's yeah. starting to come up a bit now, but everyone's openly saying America did it. Biden of course said, they did. Of course yeah. they did. To their ally. Yeah, right, and who, the Norwegians obviously helped them. Who, who else was it? Yeah, honestly, you know, does, does anybody They didn't do it. They knew it. The knew people who did some it. Some angry scuba divers. The people who did it had to have had access to submarines. Well, that's a limited number of countries, isn't it? Mm, I think it was within Norway. diving depth. Yeah. I think there was a French submarine. There was some coincidence about a French submarine limping back to port or something like that. Limping that back to oh. you, you must have a joke with that. Uh, absolutely. I was talking about how the, the French well, I doubt it, was. Well, that's right. I doubt that they were going forwards, that's for sure. <laughs> all right. Have we um, have, have we um, said all we need to say about oh, uh, that? We, we, we have run? We have for today. I mean, I, I'm I'm really excited that finally – the Kevin McCarthy, although he's been pushed, you can see he doesn't want to do this because I wouldn't trust that man as far as I could kick him. But, um, you know, this is pressure from Matt Gates, Marjorie Taylor Greene, Lauren Bobeur, what, what, what are called the far right of the yeah. Republican. Mm. But, but it's good that, you know, they're acting aggressively to bring this corrupt crime family under scrutiny. And, I mean, it's long overdue. Okay, a couple of quick things before we wind up because we're getting close up on time. So I have here Rawiri Waititi, separate justice system for Māori. Wasn't he calling for closing up jails? Did I closing see Closing prisons. Well, they've, they've kind of started doing that, haven't they? They've been been putting people out of prison and there's about 70 murderers or something who are, are on home detention at the moment waiting trial. And two shootings um, a week. Yeah, I, I, I just... I mean, I, it's so easy to just reflexively say things that that uh, hurt Maori people's feelings when this stuff comes up because they immediately think it's it's dismissing that the number of Maori in jail uh, is a problem, and and it is a terrible problem, but uh, not not entirely for for the ways that they think. And what worries me about this kind of thing a lot. Is that it sends a terrible message to young Maori kids, particularly you know boys, who are being failed by the education system. So they're not that good at making uh, an <clears throat> argue. You know, they're not that good at critically analysing things necessarily. They're just told these guys stole a whole lot of stuff from you. They hate you. They're out to get you. Sort of binary. Yeah, and I think um, I mean I've. I often say to to Māori, you know, it's that thing that I, I think I've said here before. It's the difference between that British culture where if someone's really annoying you, you say, look, old chap, I uh, really find what you're doing quite annoying versus a warrior culture where you do a hucker and look as <laughs> as aggressive and murderous as possible. And I guess what I end up saying is, well, which works better in a routine traffic stop where we've each got an ounce of weed in the glove box? <laughs> who's going home and who's going to jail? You know, <laughs> and, and um, I, I think it's it's and you, I've seen so I've saw that guy wave, you know, Rauri Waititi waving his soft little pale hands around on uh, Q and A and and justifying Jack Tame was sort of hammering him about that remark he made about Maori having superior DNA, 
and and he was just that on that classic neo-marxist thing where well we've been oppressed for so long i would totally justified and we're allowed to encourage ourselves and um and I, I don't know i think it needs to be stopped but in a compassionate way and and it's the problem is that we've got politicians who benefit from the division whether mm. it you know whichever side they're on um, Waititi's yeah. idea was also a whole parallel system of justice, wasn't it? To a completely separate uh, justice well, system Rodney for Maori. Rodney had a great uh, rant on that, and he said, "Well, so if I'm beaten up by a Maori dude or robbed by one, which justice system do I go to?" Mm. <clears throat> it's the, it's the, absurd on its face. The thing that isn't called out is the deep racism that exists now in the in the Maori Party. You know, they are completely different from the principled position that Tariana Turia and Peter Sharples took yeah. on, on everything. Like those are two people that I contemplated voting the Maori Party at one stage because of them, right? So Rauri Waititi and that other mad woman that Erin with are, are basically racists. And worse than that, they hate their own DNA. And they uh, think that because they've got some percentage of, of their makeup as Maori, that that trumps everything else without actually bothering to think about their own history and their own uh, journey. They talk about whakapapa, but they ignore the whakapapa of the other parts that the make The whakapapa that dare not speak its name. Yeah. So <clears throat> know this, right? They are deeply racist. When they are using terms like settler uh, uh, society or colonial society and saying they've been oppressed. Or cooker. Right, or cooker, yeah, all of these things. I hate that description, by the way. Right? They, uh, What's they, cooker? I've never heard it. Well, that, that's what the left actually loves calling people. The uh, descendants like us. of cook. Well, there's ah, cook. There's well, like and, 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 and like a pig. A cook, We're a called pig. cookers. But, also they, but they also use cooker to talk about anyone who has a view that's different from theirs, right? Because you've got cooked ideas. Um, so they, they don't actually have anything that's worth listening to because yeah. it's all based on racism. And we must, as New Zealanders, reject all racism, no matter who says it and where it comes from, because it creates division and it creates separatism, and it creates uh, grief, and it creates grievance. Is there such a thing, though, as a Maori justice system? Well, the well, Maori justice system had you know, like a, a set-up system that can work and has uh, operation I, I there's, man, there's manuals and everything. said for Maori hearings, you know, uh, and I've, I think they, they have had some good results with those. And I, I, I mean, whatever, whatever works, but I think the um, – the removal of personable personal agency is very dangerous, especially for kids. You know, when you give them ideas, they have real consequences. Um, yeah, but I mean, nothing's worse than a parallel justice system. I mean, that idea itself is yeah, exactly it works, what isn't it? is the Islamic people have brought into Europe and to the UK. Sharia, you know, their own Sharia, Sharia law. laws. Yeah, it's like no. We have a system where we are all equal under that one law and it doesn't matter who you are or what your skin colour is. If you break that law, you're held to the same standard. 
um, of accountability, not not a separate standard. I mean, it's just absurd on its face. Well, the people but, who are adv- advocating this don't believe what you're saying is true, Olivia. They they believe that you can't, or Cam, you can't be racist to people who are above you in in the or, or maybe below you in the intersectional victimhood stakes. Well, we don't uh, speak that language because it's unnecessary intersectionality. The thing that they've <laughs> forgotten, though, is right that they're saying we need to do this and that will make everything better. And no one stops to think, but what if it doesn't? Right? We've tried so many things that people have said was going to make things better. And let's just run through a little, a few little things. Let's have an amalgamation of Auckland's councils because a bigger council will be better because we'll be able to have cost savings. How'd that work out for us? What about Max Bradford's electricity reforms? That'll be better. It'll lead to lower power um, prices and a better supply system, and it will drive innovation in our power reticulation system. It was all bull, right? And nothing has ever materialized like the politicians have promised. Right, we had Andrew Little says we're going to in the middle of a pandemic we're going to split our health system in two. We're going to have one half of the health system for Maori, and that's going to be better for them because it's for Maori by Maori, etc. How's that worked out? Not well. No. Right. So now we've got the oh well we'll have a separate uh, justice system for Maori because the existing justice system um, is terrible on Maori because look at the prison population. Well. You're in prison because you commit crimes. Don't want to be in prison? Don't commit crimes. It's as simple as that. The vast majority of New Zealanders get that, right? We get that. Commit a crime, go to jail. But oh no, what we've got- Commit 20 crimes normally or or 100. Exactly, right? Yes, the justice system is broken. And it's broken because we have woke wombles as judges and we've got hand-wringing politicians that tinker with it at the outset. You know, we saw the Labour Party this week announce that they're going to now have um, penalties for people driving in convoys. And we've got to stop these gang members. That wasn't what it was about. It was to stop freedom convoys happening again. Yeah, disgusting, right? hey? So, Pretty obvious. But, but they come out with saying, well, we're going to have penalties for this. Oh, we've got new penalties now for Ram Raiders. Well, we've got existing penalties that we can charge these people with. We don't need more uh, things to charge them with. They're criminals. They don't care that you've got penalties. There's penalties for murder, but it doesn't stop people murdering. Yeah. There's penalties for drunk driving. It doesn't stop people drunk driving. The penalties is just a tiny percentage of the whole justice system. The justice system is screwed because we have a very large percentage of the population that says, yeah, those rules don't apply to me. Well, and, and that's partly, uh, that's cultural decline. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and, laws, and people and like... penalties um, and laws aren't going to change that. No, and people like Kate Hanna, you know, who likes to think she's such an expert on cultural this and cultural that and white supremacy and disinformation and stuff, they, they contribute to that uh, cultural decline because they, you know, her whole statement the other day when she said while individual politicians making false statements about their opponents is not comparable to disinformation campaigns 
in terms of scale and harm, the rise of disinformation actually creates an increased need for politicians to promote accurate information and be a trustworthy source for New Zealanders. Via them. Says Kate Anna, yeah. Yeah, I mean, she should should take her own blimmin' advice, you know, since she's been an absolute queen of disinformation and a very untrustworthy source calling out... You can't bite the hand that feeds you. Calling right. out knitters and crocheters. I mean, and those terrible people with brains. I'm going to take hair. up knitting because of that. Yeah. All well, right, we've uh, got some context to get some very good yeah, um, knitting needles, you know, so we can we can I really want the titanium some... one. Yeah, yeah, because uh, I could defend myself with them as well. Okay, so just quickly to sum up, what is the what is the the slogan, the phrase, the vibe missing from the election? Can anyone think of one that that? Maybe should be there that might rally some troops. It would think? be it would be good to to have truth a bit more involved. It fleetingly visits the campaign. The, the fact <laughs> that we're we're talking about nationals tax cuts, which what what are they eighty bucks a month or something? The average mortgage has gone up by a thousand dollars a month. Yeah, yeah. You know, and we 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 just we've got this in ongoing distortion of reality. I think we've got to confront how dangerous it is to switch off the media. So make New Zealand real again. Well, and and also tax cut. It annoys me that we're ever meant to get excited about it because it's like, oh, thank you very much for giving me some of my money back that I've earned. Thank you for giving me an 80 bucks extra. For goodness sake, who do you people think you are? Taxation is theft. (laughs) That's a good good, uh, positioning line for the election. Taxation is theft. Well, it is. It's it's using the brutality of the state to coerce you to give them money. The drag of of having crime increase by eight hundred percent in some instances, on on the degradation of our high trust society that has a real economic impact as well. I I couldn't mm. find it in the prefu, but well, the but real figure on there was the economic the per capita GDP was down. That means that everyone's. Well, even even with the uh, immigration that's still counted as a bit of economic growth, when obviously it's 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 not. Just dilutes the pie. All right, I think we've hit our time limit. So that's our political panel. Any any final quick? Got a few seconds. Anything final? Just to answer your question on uh, slogans or whatever's missing in this election. What I want to see more than anything is a real more. a real return to patriotism. You know, this country is one. beautiful. This this country is we all love it deeply. Um, it's a very special place in, in the South Pacific. But patriotism isn't something that New Zealanders brandish about. Um, and it's a shame because, you know, to to get behind somebody that really loves this country that is going to fight against the globalists in a patriotic way would be is very inspiring. And I just wish that that was, I wish they were competing along that line. Go and see river of freedom and take five friends. All right. Take five friends who are giving you a stick for posting. Uh, hey, I don't know about this on Facebook. Take them along. Yes. The good advice. You'll see that film. That's a, that's a good yeah. place to end. Thanks guys. Uh, uh, Olivia, uh, Marty, Cam for being again on our panel. This week, it's been great. Thank you. Have a great weekend. RCR with Paul Brennan. Reality Check Radio.